Hey, you're about to hear a great word from our teaching team. At Freedom House, we're about equipping you to experience Christ's freedom every day. We would love to connect with you. We stream our live services Sundays at 10.30 and 12.15 Eastern Standard Time. You can join us at freedomhouse.cc live. I hope you enjoyed this message. Hey, hey, good morning, good morning, Freedom House. Wow. Thank you, thank you. You may take your seats. Man, uh, I never knew how much I affected white America. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you're welcome. <clears throat> I'm sorry. <laughs> What's up, Freedom House? Man, it's so good to be with y'all uh, today. I am Pastor Montel Jordan. I'm an executive pastor at Victory World Church, your sister church down in Atlanta, Georgia. Pastor Dennis and Colleen Rouse, awfully fond of this church right here. We love y'all uh, and appreciate you. I get to do men's ministry there, worship, the music ministry, as well as work alongside my wife, Kristen, in marriage ministry. Babe, would you stand up and please, I know, just elbow, real elbow, wrist, wrist, elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist, my better half. We get awesome opportunities to travel around the world and to speak together, which is an awesome thing. And I hope we get a chance to do that here with you and with your couples uh, one day. Uh, Pastor Troy and Pastor Penny uh, did not abandon you. They are on the other campuses that you have here in the city, uh, and they are bringing the word this morning. And y'all got me. So with that being said, I've sung with you before and worshiped with you before. This is my first time getting the opportunity to speak with you. And since I'm here with your family I just want to give you a glimpse of my family just real quick so we can even the playing field here. You can put that photo up of, uh, of my family taken during Christmas time. Uh, the big guy in the green sweater, that's Black Santa. That's me. <clears throat> Mrs. Claus, Kristen is right there beside me. Uh, our oldest kid's in the middle. I don't know if you can tell. That sweater is actually connected. It's a, it's, yeah, it's connected sweater. Uh, that is our oldest son, Christopher, and his beautiful wife, Catherine. Been married about four years. Uh, on the far right to you, that is my daughter, uh, Sydney. She is graduating from Kennesaw State uh, in July. She's coming off my payroll. Thank you, Jesus. The young man beside her, he is here today. That is my son, Skylar. He is 14, straight-A student, athlete, phenomenal guy. He's floating around the campus today. He has his friend Elijah here with him today. Uh, and then the little lady on your left, uh, she is six years old. That is Samantha. That's our ladybug. She is the product of what happens when you're in your 40s. You go away on a vacation <laughs> in Mexico, and they have unlimited guacamole. <laughs> that happens. It's a little guac right there. And the baby... That is Cruz Wallace Jordan. Cruz Wallace is our first grand, uh, and he is uh, almost uh, 11 months now. He's a phenomenal little kid, and uh, we are not grandma and grandpa because we're too young and too sexy uh, to be grandma and grandpa. So my wife is Mimi, and I am Big Papa because I love it when you call me Big Papa. Some of y'all will get that on the way home. If you have your Bible with you or an electronic device on silent, in just a few moments, we're going to be reading from John chapter 12 and verse 32. John chapter 12 and verse 32. As you're locating that, we're starting a new series here at Freedom House called House Party. Can you say that? House Party. And I'm super excited to kick it off here on the main campus because I have a little knowledge about House Party parties and parties in general. And from that standpoint, I believe that my life experience placed together with God's word is going to be a blessing to you and encouragement to you into your lives. And so let's just go before the Lord uh, in a word of prayer. Just please bow your heads and thank you for those who are watching online as well. 
<laughs> Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, and I just ask you just to get me out of the way. Uh, do what you want to do, say what you want to say, and show us how your Holy Spirit comes in and renews us and renovates us and rehabs us and just does everything to dress us to impress for the kingdom of heaven. God, we honor you with our time today and our focus, and we just ask that you are glorified, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 Title for today's message is Faithful Attraction. Faithful Attraction. We're in the House Party Series, and I want to start out asking a question to the entire room and for those watching online. And the question is this Would you consider yourself to be an attractive person? Would you consider yourself to be an attractive person? Now, it's not a loaded question. It's not a trick question. I'm a word guy, and I love words. I love what they mean. I, I play Scrabble. I play multiple games of words with friends all at the same time, and words mean the world to me. So just to bring a little clarity to that statement, when I ask you, uh, are you, uh, do you find yourself to be an attractive person? To the ladies out there, I am not asking you if you think you are pretty. I'm not asking you a question about beauty. To the fellas out there, I am not asking you if you are handsome. It's not a question about looks from that way because you may be cute and you may have swag and still not be attractive. I mean, I know some gorgeous people who are ugly on the inside. And the flip side of that is I know some people, I mean, not in this room, <clears throat> who are not so easy on the eyes, but they are beautiful on the inside. And so this is not a question of how you appear, but I'm asking you right now a question of how you appeal. Some of y'all missed that. Um, <clears throat> how you appear on the outside is often a reflection of how you appeal on the inside. So when I ask you, if you find yourself to be an attractive person, I'm not even asking you how you think other people do or do not see you. I am asking how do you see you? Are there things about you that you think your composition, your design, your DNA, your influence, your woo factor, your wow factor, the things inside of you, do you consider yourself to possess the, the characteristics or the qualities that uh, uh, draw people to you, that allures people to you? Do you have that thing, that thing, that thing? Shout out. That's Lauren Hill. That's El Boogie right there. Do you have that thing that creates influence, that thing that creates something that is inviting to you? you? Do you have that thing, that attraction? I thought I had that. October 1991, Inglewood, California, the Cockatoo Inn. It was a party. It's kind of like a house party. That is when my one-day wife, Kristen, would lay eyes on me for the very first time. And she was not impressed. <laughs> I spent several hours, y'all, as she ignored me. And somehow, Somehow, I was able to get the number. And I got to say, after I got the number, it was a difficult task. Men, uh, I did not adhere to men rule number 79. You know that when you get the number, the three-day desperation rule, you don't call after, you know, before three days because you seem desperate. I called her on day two. Men, if you're not familiar with that, please refer to your manuals. Um, <clears throat> They said, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Not true with me. It wasn't until the second time that my wife saw me for the very first time. And here's the deal. In my heart, I wanted to impress her. But it was my appearance that would determine if she would ever know what was in my heart. 
I believe that the same way that we can be drawn to people physically, I believe we can be drawn to people faithfully. I would submit to you that people can be drawn or attracted to faith. And I'm not talking about a fatal attraction or a physical attraction. I'm talking about faithful attraction. In order to win people to Christ, there should be something appealing on the inside of us that is attractive on the outside. We have the living God inside of us. And if we don't show it, if our appearance doesn't show it, no one is going to know it. It's a famous quote from Mahatma Gandhi. He once said this, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Preach Gandhi. It's a serious statement. It's a true statement. I personally know lots of people in the entertainment business, people in film, in, in, uh, uh, in music. I know people in the world of athletics, people who want to grow in faith. They want to know more about Jesus. And there's only one thing standing in their way, the church, Christians. And listen, I'm not dogging the church. I love the church. I am the church. We are the church. Church is not a place. It's a people. Problem is, when people claim to be followers of Jesus, there's supposed to be fires burning on the inside, not tiki torches burning on the outside. Some of y'all will get that on the way home. Listen, there are statistics that report right now that the millennial generation is having great issue and is turned off by Christianity. They're turned off by the church, meaning they're turned off by us. How is that possible? I mean, Jesus was very attractive. Think about it. He was the type of guy who could walk by a group of successful businessmen working, could say, hey, follow me. And they dropped everything that they were doing and they started following him. Now, if that God, if that Jesus right there is living inside of us, that makes us far more attractive than we could ever be on our own. That scripture in John chapter 12, verse 32 says this, and when I am lifted up from the earth, this is Christ. He's talking about his crucifixion. He is saying, when I do what I'm going to do on Calvary, when I am lifted up on that cross, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. I will draw all men unto me. Now get this, uh, Freedom House. Jesus is saying, I will draw, I will attract all men unto me. He's saying, I'm going to do the drawing. And so if he lives inside of us, if he's inside of our hearts, that Jesus that says, I will do all the drawing. I will attract men to me. I will attract women to me. I will attract all of mankind to me. If that Jesus is living on the inside of us, if men and women are not attracted to you, that's not a problem with Jesus. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Either one works. Listen, I can't draw all men. I can't draw all mankind unto me. Jesus provides the appeal. That's what's on the inside. We provide the appearance. That's what's on the outside. And if we're going to claim Christ, we're supposed to be a physical representation of God's supernatural restoration business. We become God's calling card, his word of mouth. And here's what I mean. We're going to dive into something in just a moment, but I got to set it up in this way. Um, we have cable TV in the Jordan household, thousand channels right at our fingertips, but we really only watch four. And of those channels, 
Uh, I'll tell you the four. Uh, one channel we watch because we have a six-year-old is the kids' channel. That is uh, anything Disney, Nickelodeon, anything Moana, anything kid-based, we have a station that is dedicated to all things children. That's one channel that we watch out of the thousands that are available to us. Second channel that we watch all the time is ESPN because I'm never turning in my man card. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's just not going to happen. Now, the third channel that we watch, and we love this channel, is the Food Network. Praise God. I mean, Chopped. Chopped Junior, Cake Wars, Cupcake Wars, Iron Chef Showdown. Anything that can be cooked, fried, dried, laid to the side, the Jordans. We are foodies, and we are about that life. Anything food involved, we are all in. But our favorite channel huh, is HGTV. Thank you, Jesus, for HGTV. I don't know about y'all, but listen, Fixer Upper. Hi, Chip. Hi, Joanta. We love Fixer Upper. Uh, house Hunters, Flipper Flop Atlanta, Flipper Flop Nashville, all the stuff with the houses. That's the channel we watch the most. We go to sleep. That channel watches us, and it is particularly my favorite. I love HGTV, and I mean, I'm a pastor. What's not to love? I mean, we're in the business of identifying potential to invest into people that seem like they are toe up from the flow up. And then we walk alongside you to watch and see what happens when God's blueprint and design meets your will and those things collide. And then God steps in on demolition day and starts tearing down the walls in your heart to give you a more wide open floor plan. And then he flips you and puts you back out on the market placed at greater value than how he started from the beginning. Yo, this is that cable word I'm giving you right now. Some of y'all think uh, in the natural, I'm talking about your network, but actually in the spirit, I'm talking about your net worth. Faithful attraction. Listen, if I had a show on HGTV, that's what I would call it. I would call it faithful attraction. Tune in to see what happens when God renews, rehabs, and renovates his people. We'll go into churches and follow the lives of real people to see how the worst of the worst can become the best of the best. You too can be divine by design. Faithful attraction. Are y'all with me? That's what I would do. I would call it faithful attraction. And listen. We're in a house party series. You can't have a house party without a house. And so what we're going to talk about is we're about to parallel what you do with a house, and then we're going to parallel that with what you do with a human, what you do with a property, what you do with a person. Are y'all with me today? Praise God. All right, the first thing you'd have to do in this Faithful Attraction show is you'd have to have curb appeal. Curb appeal. Y'all know what curb appeal is? Curb appeal is when you drive by a house, that thing that makes you go, ooh, I like that circular drive. Or look how the lawn is manicured. Or look at that front porch with the, there is some, curb appeal means even when you can't see what's on the inside, what is on the outside that is drawing you to that place? That's what you deal with with property, curb appeal. When you're dealing with a person, when you are dealing with people, you call that uh, humility. Humility is your curb appeal. Humility is attractive. Humility is something that people can identify even when they don't know what's on the inside yet. And so from that standpoint, I'll give you uh, an example. Even with me, when I first got to Victory World Church, my wife and I in Norcross, Georgia, 
We started out serving in children's ministry. I was still an R&B recording artist at the time. I was still traveling the world. And at that time, on weekends, you would find me in the two-year-old room burping your babies and changing diapers because I had to humble myself. I was in a process. There's a difference when God humbles you and you humble yourself. I'll come back to that. But we were serving in children's ministry because there was a need in the church, just like there may be a need here in the church for your Saturday nights for somebody that God is calling say, I want you to serve me and humble yourself to help you and help the church in that same way. That was one of the things that we did, recording artists serving in children's ministry. And another thing that I do, if you know me or you're anywhere around me, I'm a person that if I see something on the ground, I pick it up. I do it in my house. I do it if I, it's, it's really, I'm in the airport and I'm walking, I got to get to a plane and I see something, I have to pick it up. And I'm thinking to myself, why would somebody not pick that up? And I think I do that because from a humbling standpoint, God didn't just walk over me and kept going. He stopped and he picked me up. And so uh, humility is attractive. There's an account of a man in the Bible by the name of Samuel. Samuel was the prophet at the time. He was sent by God to replace King Saul with a successor. This is the origin of how David would one day become king. And the, the word of God tells us that this David was a man after God's own heart. Now I want you to get this. Samuel, who was about to go and, and locate David as king, he was a prophet, but he was prepared to choose seven other candidates before he even got to David. Like based on appearance, he thought this must be the one. He got to Jesse's house. He saw the first son. He was tall, good looking, all these different things. And he said, surely this must be the one. But the Lord, you know, the Lord's anointed. But here's what God responds to him uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. God said he is not the chosen one for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. We hear that scripture all the time. People use it all the time. And I want to tell you, that's real good news. I am so glad. And the fact that, everybody, the fact that God sees the heart is something that everybody under the sound of my voice should be extremely excited about. Jesus, thank you for seeing my heart. But listen, that's not where the issue is. The issue is not with God seeing your heart. It's the part in that scripture that comes right before God seeing your heart. It says that man sees the outward appearance. Meaning that I'm a man. I cannot see your heart. God, he can see your heart. But man, I'm a man. I cannot see your heart. I see your outward appearance. And because we're not God, you can't just skip over the fact that man sees the outward appearance. In other words, if you go for a job interview, your appearance is going to determine whether or not that employer ever gets to see what's inside your heart. Are you picking up what I'm putting down today? Listen, although your appearance does not matter to God because he said, come as you are, he didn't say you have to stay that way. Somebody missed that. God said, come as you are, but he didn't say you have to stay that way because God is in the renovation business and he understands that the way we appear can either attract or detract. The way we appear can either divert or distract from who he is. In other words, get your yard tight. Curb appeal. We got to get that humility thing down in us because humility is attractive. Second thing I would do in the show Faithful Attraction, I would have to look at something called comparable comps. Comparable comps. For those of you in real estate or in that world, you understand what a comparable comp is. That is, what is the value of the other properties in the neighborhood that you are looking at? 
If I were to talk about a human, I would say, who is surrounding you? My friend Jeannie Mayo puts it this way. She says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. In other words, if you're dealing with a property, you would talk about a comparable comps. If you're talking about a person, you would say healthy friendships and relationships are attractive. Your surrounding cast are attractive. Here's the point behind that. Uh, A good business person will never build a $500,000 home in a $200,000 neighborhood. You'll never get your return on investment. Okay, that's too deep on the business side. Let me put it to you this way. Uh, For the single ladies in the room, if you are interested in a guy uh, and he talks disrespectfully to his mother, you are looking at a bad investment because you will never get a return on the investment in the person that you are looking at investing in. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Listen. No matter where you are right now, you got to understand God is a good businessman. You may not be on the job you want right now. You may not be uh, in the financial place that you want to be right now. But God has you placed in the place where he is going to get a return on investment. So those relationships, that job, wherever he has you, he has you positioned because he's going to do the renovation in you. And he is going to get the glory and he's going to get a return on his investment if you allow him to do the work on you wherever he has you placed currently. You are prime spiritual real estate for God to be able to renovate you. You're the best looking thing on the block according to God because what he's going to do in you. So that's the second piece right there. Healthy friendships and relationships are extremely attractive. The third thing that you would do with a property, we're talking about faithful attraction. The third thing you would do is you would make an offer. Anybody that understands the real estate, you look at the curb appeal, you like it, you like the comps in the neighborhood, at some point you got to make an offer on it. That's what you would do with property. But if I'm talking about people, uh, I have to explain this a different way. Uh, You have to secure it. You have to put something down on it. I think uh, it was Destiny trying to say you got to put a ring on it. (laughs) When you find something that you want to make an offer on, you got to put something down down on it, earnest money, something real, something tangible. In other words, uh, okay, different example. Um, I know, I know people and nobody in this room does this. (laughs) I know people who will go into a high-end department store and they will purchase an item of clothing of great value and they keep the tags on it. And they will take said item and they will wear it. Somewhere, pair of shoes, outfit, whatever, and the tag is on it. And when they are done wearing it, <coughs> they will take said item back to the store <coughs> to get a refund. That's foul. I'm just saying right now, that's nasty. Some of you might agree with me that you should not do that. And maybe you don't do it with clothes, but some of y'all do it with souls. Listen, when you're having sex outside of marriage, you're doing the exact same thing. Ladies, stop wearing him if he doesn't belong to you. Pop the tag. Fellas, stop wearing her if she does not belong to you. Pop the tag. Listen, you got to understand, Jesus paid full price. He paid full price for you and me. He did not put us on layaway. He paid full asking price. As a matter of fact, for some of us, he overpaid... And he didn't even keep the receipt 
because he had no, no intent on taking us back. Hebrews 13 tells us, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Some of y'all need to pop the tag. Listen, when it comes to making an offer, salvation is extremely attractive. When it comes to a house, you are putting, uh, making an offer. When it comes to a person, it's the salvation. Listen, Jesus gave us an offer of salvation to where we're not renting salvation. You're not leasing salvation. We were purchased with a price. It's an offer he makes to us of salvation, and we become owners and not renters. And then we can then offer salvation to other people because what he offered to us. When people see that sold sign out on the front of our spiritual home, people look at that and they say, man, I want that. I want to know how to get that. That's what it comes down to putting an offer because humility is attractive. Healthy relationships and friendships and marriages and families are attractive. Salvation is attractive. The fourth thing that I would do in the show, Faithful Attraction, is I would talk about reconstruction. Reconstruction. That normally means transformation is attractive. Here's what that means. Normally, that's the best part of the television shows on HGTV. After you've seen the comps and you've seen the neighborhood and you, you finally now that designer has shown you the design, then they come in and they just start tearing stuff up. They start kicking in walls and tearing stuff down and that demolition is taking place. And let me tell you, we love what it looks like after the fact, but when it's happening, it is not pretty. Transformation, it is not pretty. And that's one of the journeys that I had to go through. I had to go through, I said, I was a recording artist. I had the number one song in the world at one time. Me and my wife, we had fame, we had fortune. We had the number one song on the charts. You cannot go a place and nobody did not know who we were. We had fame, we had notoriety, and still with all of that, my wife and I were hemorrhaging in our marriage, literally bleeding out. Family in shambles. On the exterior, people look like, oh, I want that life. Look at that. They get to do this or that. And internally dying. And had to get to a place where God had to get a hold of us. I can remember, y'all, I made music a God for me. God was not my provider. My music was my God. All those different things. And when those things started to kind of waning and career was taking some different challenges, I can remember saying to myself from a successful standpoint, I remember saying to myself, God, I don't know who I am without music. I don't know what I would do without music. And God was like, oh, really? I'll show you. And so literally he began to strip me. Of fame, he stripped me of notoriety, stripped me of finances. And he did, listen, because he loves me so much, he did it in private. So I would go places and people would see me, be like, yo, Monte, where you been? When's the next album coming? When you're, you're in the studio, this or that? And I'd be like, yo, how can they not know? Because God shielded me while he was still doing the work. He was doing that construction. He was doing that work, tearing the stuff away from me that he needed to do to make me what he needed me to be. And you got to get this. I had to learn in that process who I was. Without music, without a microphone, I'm a son. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a friend. I'm a worker. I'm a servant. I had to learn all of those things. And the greatest gift that God ever gave me was I learned that music didn't make me. I made music. Music didn't define me. I defined music. That's for somebody in here today. I'm not even talking about music. What you do does not define who you are. Who you are defines what you do. And when you get a hold of that, there's a freedom in that. And that's where I had to get to. God transformed me into a different man that I can stand before you today and be able to 
to share that with you. Transformation is attractive because you don't see the process. But at the end, when they show you on the show, oh, look how that looks. Look at this. Oh, that's so beautiful, whatever. You know the work that went in. That's how you know the value of what is now being offered for what you bring to the table. And then when it comes to faithful attraction, the fifth point and the final point is staging. Staging. Staging is what you do to a home. And I would actually say this, appearance is attractive. We said God has the appeal on the inside. We provide the appearance on the outside. Staging. This simply means that once the foundational transformation has taken place, once the infrastructure has been rebuilt and reconstructed, furnishings are then placed in homes to make them look like they're your home. You ever see those shows at the end of the, at the show? And they didn't brought all the couches in and hung all the stuff over the fireplace and the little jars. And this. listen, that furniture don't belong to those people. Did y'all know that? If you didn't, I'm, I'm letting you in on something. That doesn't belong to those people. The designer knows what it's going to look like and they don't want to give you an open room and say, hey, do you get the vision for it? The designer provides the vision for it. They hang stuff where it goes. They place chairs so that when you walk in, you go, oh, that's a beautiful dining room table. I can see me and my family eating there. Oh, that's a beautiful bedroom. I can see us sleeping there. They furnish the house. They stage it with things so you make it feel like it's yours. I know one of the shows, they even bake cookies. Have you seen the show where they, they bake cookies? When they're done, they've done all the work. And they, okay, you ready? Let's bake the cookie. You know why they bake cookies? Because a house that is a home that is lived in, if you got kids, a lot of times you bake cookies. And I'm going to tell you, in the house, there's nothing like a house that smells like fresh chocolate chip cookies. It feels like the house is lived in. And so what they do is they furnish the house and they cook in the house so that when you walk in, you think, man, this looks and feels and smells like home. For someone in your life looking for Jesus, do you look and feel and smell like home? If you don't, this is how we do it. <laughs> I love to get that in there one time every service. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. Can I read just a little bit of word to y'all today? All right. Ephesians 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God or the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the whole, take, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, not if, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. That's the word of God. That final process in the rebuild is called staging. You're dressing it to impress. 
Now get this. When you stage a home, you stage it with furniture. When you stage a human, you stage them with armor. Christians are staged. That home is staged with armor. If we're talking about a house party, we're talking about your home. Your home has to be staged with armor because when you stage it that way, then people are drawn and they are attracted to something that looks and feels and smells like home. That scripture talks about the belt of truth. The belt is is worn around your waist. Your belt is around your gut. It's your midsection. It's something called your core. The truth has to be at your core. In other words, the truth has to be at your core. It's the first part of armor before you can put on anything else. Everything hinges on and around having truth at the core. Well, what is the truth? John chapter 14, verse 6 says this. Jesus answered, and these are the words of our Lord. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's pretty clear when he says, I am the way, the truth, the life, there's a revelation that comes right there. It simply says, if you believe there are other ways to be able to get to heaven, you are mistaken because Jesus is saying to us that I am the way, the truth, and the life. You have to have that at your core. In other words, if you don't have that at your core and you believe, well, coexist, or there are certain ways and uh, there are other gods, there are other ways to get to heaven, I'm telling you, you are misguided. I have a friend who is so theologically solid, he has worked himself out of faith in Christ. He will tell you, man, I believe that all faiths, all religions, all kind of have a great relevance to people and who they are, and I believe they're valuable to everyone. And listen, I do believe that we all believe our own truth, but that doesn't make it the truth. And here's what you have to understand as a words guy. If Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that insinuates that there are ways that are not the way. There is truth that is not the truth. There is life that is not the life. At your core, you must know who the way is, the truth is, and the life. And when you understand that and you have truth at your core, that is attractive to people because they say that looks and feels and smells like home. That's what the belt of truth does. And then you have the blessed breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is something that was connected. They wore over Roman soldiers were put on this armor and it connected to the belt of truth. In other words, if you did not have truth at the core, the breastplate could slip off. That breastplate of righteousness, righteousness to cover your heart, the most vital organ in your body. And if righteousness is slipping off of you, you get self-righteousness. And then that's when you find yourself trying to do the God thing and you are trying to impress God rather than please God. Listen, you can't impress God. God is not impressed by you or me or anyone else. He wants to be pleased by us. He wants us to obey him so that he is pleased with us. He doesn't want us to impress him. He wants us to impress the world because when we impress the world of who he is, that draws people to Christ, the him in us. But he doesn't want us to impress him. He wants us to please him. He says it right here in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17. Uh, Jesus was being baptized and it says, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. He didn't say this is my beloved son and I'm super impressed by him. 
because Jesus was obedient to the point of death that he pleased the Father, not impressed the Father. And so you got to understand that when we do that, when we are obeying God to please him, when we do that, we're wearing his righteousness, what he did on the cross for us, not our own righteousness. And that is something that looks and feels and smells like home. The shoes of peace, even though you have on armor ready to go to battle, you should always still have on shoes that are ready to walk in peace, in our marriages, in our home, in our relationships. That shield of faith that it talks about protecting us from the flaming arrows of the evil one. I don't know if y'all know this, the evil one is not just shooting arrows. He's shooting flaming arrows. And if anybody understands that if someone is shooting an arrow that is on fire at you, your enemy means business. And from that standpoint, you have to have a shield of faith because when people see that hell is coming at you, high water is rising around you, they need to see somebody that's got the faith to be able to stand and say, I know what the world is saying, but I know that my God is a faithful God and he sets the standard of what I believe in my life. And when people see your faith, they are attracted to that, and it looks and feels and smells like home. We're almost done. The helmet of salvation, it guards our minds from what we think. Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Jesus is not unstable. He is very stable. He is very assured, and he's trying to renovate Christians that are not just believers, but they become disciples who are able to understand, I know what the world is saying, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And they take that shield of faith and they take that sword of spirit, the word of God, and they start using it rather than letting it sit somewhere. And they use that word of God through their prayers to call those things that are not as though they were because the prayers of the righteous avail much. Get this, family. Humility is attractive. That's the curb appeal. Healthy friendships, relationships, marriages, strong families, those are attractive. Those are comparable comps. Salvation is attractive. That's the offer Jesus made to us that we get to offer to others. Transformation is attractive. And your testimony is attractive. The work that God has done in you Somebody's got to see that. Somebody has to see that. Listen, allowing people to see the work that God has done in you is important for the kingdom. It's called word of mouth. Listen, anybody that's going to put on a house party, you understand how important word of mouth is. More than a picture or a flyer, when people are talking about it, when there's a word of mouth that's there, what that does is it says that word of mouth makes you more evangelistically bold because other people are also saying, in other words, your life will say what your words can't. And then God places you back out in the world, in your circle of influence, placed at greater value than before he started with you. I'm going to show you a video really quickly, and then we'll close out this session. Click that. Remember me? Yeah, you. Yeah, I gotta tell y'all while I'm here. 
I was not joking when I said I'm a pastor. I'm a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. That's me. That's just me. Okay. This ain't for everybody. But somebody here needs to know tonight that God loves you and he misses you and he wanted you to know that tonight. And so even if you wouldn't come to the church, he would send the church here to you in a concert in Rip City for you to know that. All right, so sometimes you can't fully catch from the video what's happening there. That was in Portland, Oregon. That was a concert that I was able to go to. I used to be a recording artist. God took me out of the world. He did his transformation and his renovation in me. He takes me and he places me back out in the world to reach places that the church cannot necessarily reach because Matthew 28 said, go and make disciples. Yeah, when people come here, we make disciples, but he also told us to go. And so this is one of those things that I am so fortunate to get to do, to go out into the world to people that's got their drinks up and they got their buzz on or whatever, and a song that's nostalgically reminiscent to them, I end up taking Jesus to them and meeting them right where they are. Now, I want you to get this because you don't have to be famous to have that same mandate on your life. Who in your life do you know needs Jesus in your circle of influence? Who on your job? Who in your family? Let me say it to you even differently. Who are you watching on their way to hell? There is somebody in your family on their way to hell and we are standing by and watching them. A parent, a child, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, a neighbor, a coworker. Who are you spectating? That's not what God called us to do. We got the greatest gift in the world in salvation. The greatest thing, we cheer at games, we cheer for our favorite teams, we cheer and we will watch the people we love go to hell. That's got to mean something to you. Listen, that's what this house party series is about. You got to understand one of the greatest fears that I have. Okay, you receive Jesus, that's great. You're going to, he to heaven, that's great. You get to the Father, that's great. And then somehow you lock eyes with somebody that's at the gate and they're being told, I'm sorry, I don't know you. Somebody you knew. And what is that person if they happen to catch eyes with you? Oh, no, they know me. That was my coworker. That was my neighbor. That was my fan. They know me. I'm sorry. I know they might know you. I, I'm a loving, I'm a, and God is a loving father. He wouldn't do it. In a bad way, he would, he would be a I'm sorry, I, I don't know you. And then those words, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Even if I would have rejected it, even if I would have laughed at you, if I would have said that Christianity thing, you still would have done your part. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you give me the chance to reject or receive it? It might not even take right then. Maybe it would take years. But then that seed that was planted might have been, listen. It's not you. Jesus said, 
I'll draw all men unto me. If that Jesus is inside of you, he says, I do the drawing. I provide the appeal. All you have to do is provide the appearance. All you are is the home that I have renovated. And I need you to host an open house just to love people. I don't need you to try and convert anybody. I don't need you to try and say what the Bible says. I don't need you to do none of that. I draw. I draw. Jesus said, I do the drawing. All I need you to do is be an open home. Can you love people? Can you provide a meal for people? Can you do something nice? Can you buy somebody lunch on your job? Can you just do an open door? Can you just invite people to watch a game? Can you just do something where when they step in the place, they say, wow, this looks and feels and smells like home. That's all God is asking us to do, to be an open house to host a house party so that he can draw all men unto him. Will you bow your heads for a prayer? God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. In this moment, I know we're in a church, but I have found that stadiums, arenas, clubs, churches, they have something very similar. There are people who need Jesus. And it would bring me a great joy if I were able to be here today, God, and someone who does not know you the way they should comes to know you today. And here's what I'm saying. If you're under the sound of my voice today, heads bowed, eyes closed, even watching online, this might be you. If as your eyes are closed right now, if the same way tonight you were to close your eyes, to sleep and you woke up on the other side of eternity when you got there do you believe in your heart right now that there would be a loving father a God in heaven who would be saying to you you are my son you are my daughter I am so pleased with you welcome home or would you meet a God that would gently and kindly say to you I'm sorry I don't know you if you cannot answer that question in the affirmative, I am talking to you. God is speaking to you right now. You can fix that here today. And you can know with all assurance, without shadow of a doubt, that the God that created heaven and earth is here for you and he desires to welcome you home today. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that is you and you are not certain that if you were not to wake up here on this earth tomorrow, if you were to be in eternity tomorrow, if you're not certain that you would be with a father that loves you and that's welcoming you home, if that is you today, I'm going to ask you to be courageous. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand just so I can recognize your hand. God bless you. I see the hand. I see the hand. Come on, be courageous if that's you. God bless you. This is between you and God. I see your hand and I recognize it. God bless you. I recognize it. God bless you. God bless you, sis. God bless you. I see the hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. I see. I recognize it. Thank you so much. Come on. This is you, between you and God. This has nothing to do with me. This is you and God. This is your time. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Okay, you can put your hands down. God bless you. Thank you for your courage. I saw that hand. God saw that hand, more importantly. And I want you to know, you're going to be able to know today without shadow of a doubt where your soul is going to rest because God is faithful. He's not a man that should lie. And he simply says this, if you would believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, 
that Jesus is the Son of God, he says you will be saved. And that's what we're going to do today. And I would even say this, that if you have received Jesus before and maybe for some reason you are in a place of sin and you feel like God would never take me back or you might be in a place of sin right now and you feel like I'm just too far gone that my father would never receive me back, I'm here to tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell and God is your father and he is ready to receive you back as though no time had ever passed between you and him. And so, in just a moment, those people who are already believers and disciples of Jesus who are walking in him, you know where your soul rests, along with those who are receiving Jesus for the first time and those of us who are coming back to him, we're all going to say this prayer together because we all have to recognize that we're sinners and we need a Savior. And so what we're going to do right now is this is not a finish line. This is just a starting point, a starting point for new life in Christ. So let's all just join together in faith and say this together. Just say, Jesus. I love you. You loved me first. I recognize I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus Christ, you're that Savior. You're the Son of God. And I repent of my sin. I turn from the old me and I turn to the cross. Jesus, I believe you came from heaven for me. You died on a cross for me. You went to the grave for me, but you rose again for me. Jesus Christ, I believe you're worth it. And you say, I'm worth it. Jesus, you say, I'm worth it. Come into my heart. Drive out all darkness. Renovate me. Rehab me so that I can serve you and be an open house for all the world to see. Let's lift our hands up all over this building, all over the building, all those watching online. Go ahead and lift your hands. Hands lifted are a universal sign of surrender. It's also a universal sign of receiving. And so whether you're receiving something from God, whether you are surrendering something to God, we are all in a position for God to do what only he can do. Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Do your surgery in a way that only you can do. And we give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 Come on, I want to celebrate with everybody that received Jesus today. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. I'm I'm excited for you. Best decision you ever made in your life. And let let me just say this. You know, it says that heaven rejoices when even one, when even one returns home. Heaven rejoices, and they have a party in heaven. And we're not in heaven right now, but we're on earth and we can have a party here too. We can celebrate here with you here on this earth at Freedom House. And I know the perfect song to celebrate to. (laughs) This is a song you did not expect to hear at church today. But I want you to know God gets glory from your life. Go ahead and turn that track up. This is how we do it. Come on, sing it out. This is how we do it. la 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 This is how we do it. Check it. This is how we do it. It's Sunday night and I feel alright. The party's right here in Charlotte. So I reach for the old school and I turn it up. I designate a driver, take the keys to my truck. 
hit the song and they played it. The people in the streets say, money, yeah, we made it. It feels so good in your hood tonight. The summertime skirts and the guys that can eye on the gangbangers forgot about the drive by. You gotta get your groove on before the song is played. So tip up your cup and throw your hands up and let me hear the whole church say, I feel the love and it's all because. Now Freedom House does it like nobody does. I can't do hear it. you. To all my neighbors, you got much flavor. This is how we do it. Let's flip the track, bring the old school back. What up, Roman? This is how we do it. All hands are in. And wait from, from here to there. If you're an OG Mac or a wannabe player, you see the hood's been good to me ever since I was a lowercase G. But now I serve the big G. <laughs> we got the money, $100 bills, y'all. If you were from where I'm from, then you would know that I gotta get mine in a big black truck. You get yours in a six four. Whatever it is, the party's underway. So tip up your cup and throw your hands up and let me hear the party say, I feel the love and it's all because this is how we do it. Oh, now Freedom House does it like nobody does. This is how we I can't do hear it. you. To all my neighbors, you got much flavor. This is how we do it. And I'll never come back on an old school track now. Sing it out. It. I said, I'm kind of bugged, it's all because. This is how we do it. Oh, Charlotte does it like nobody does, nobody does. Y and B, Troy Penny. All my homies, I'll never come back on an old school track. Yo, check it out. Once upon a time in 94, Montel make no money and life show us self. And all they say was 6'8", he stood. And people thought the music that he made was good. They lived a pastor and Troy is his name. He came up to money, this is what he said. You and me and Penny gonna make some cash. See a million souls saved making the dash. Yeah. Freedom House, I love y'all. Thank y'all for having me with you today. God bless. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe. And hey, if you want to find out more about our church or how you can be a part, go to freedomhouse.cc.